Stacking them deep, selling them cheap. It tastes like gasoline, rubber, and victory. We're just out here stacking pennies. All right, guys, we are back with an interesting stacking pennies. Uh, I actually had the best seat in the house to watch our race from yesterday. Actually, this could be three days ago for those who are listening. So I was a spectator. Um, with some unfortunate circumstances this past week, I'm joined with my good friends, Chuck Bush. Hello. Mr. Jonathan Merriman, Ice Cold Blue Mountain Takes. How you guys doing? I've been better, you know, because I'm with my friend Ryan Flores, and we had to take an unwanted vacation, which was actually quite nice. Um, you know, got to hang out at the pool with little man, watch some races, but it wasn't ideal because... As much as I love doing this podcast, I love racing more. And doing one did not let me do the other, unfortunately. To be honest, Chuck, it didn't suck as much as I thought it was going to. No, I mean, anytime you have to sit out of doing something that you love, it's not going to be fun. It's that FOMO thing. I wish I was there wishing I was back at home wishing that I was there or something like that. There's been plenty of times halfway through the race I was wishing I was at home. Right. There's been not as many times I was at home wishing I was at the racetrack. I guess that's probably a good thing. And I know my buddy Ryan Flores did not get to hit Brad's nuts weekend, and he was really bad at shape about that. Yeah, I Brad or Austin's nuts missed uh, both races, but um, but yeah, I didn't. You know, good news of that is I didn't take any nuts to the face either. You know, that was the nice part. So uh, now is a is a weekend off. Obviously, we did what we had to do. Um, per, you know, NASCAR's protocols, and we're ready, uh, happy, and safe to go this weekend. So everybody who was, quote-unquote, exposed has, quote-unquote, tested negative, and we are ready to rock and roll to go to Daytona this week. The last regular season race of the year, and everybody from the guy who is 17th in points in Austin, or Austin Dillon, who we'll talk about his record in a second, to the guy who gets the medical waiver, to myself, has a chance to win that thing. Who knows, Merriman? Bill Seven Car could sneak in the playoffs this week. You got a pedigree at uh, at Daytona. I'm not sure what your your fall or summer record at that racetrack is, but uh, during the 500, when the stakes are the highest and the purse is the biggest, you seem to step up. So uh, I wouldn't bet against you this weekend. Well, here's the thing: the strategy of riding in the back and hoping everybody wads them up has worked. 70% of the time. We tried that strategy in Talladega. Nobody really wrecked. So we finished, I don't know, somewhere in the late 20s, which is never fun to ride around for 500 miles and really never engage. Uh, but we are pulling all the stops this weekend. We're going to be able to race. We don't really know what strategy we're going to do, but we are not going to ride around in the back, hope for a wreck, and then try to sneak a top 10 at the end because top 10 doesn't do much for us. So I think you have to be up there racing all day long. And if they start piling them up, so be it. Make sure the belts are tight. So that's, I'm going to make sure my belts are extra tight this weekend. But I thought we had a decent race this weekend in Michigan. It was, you know, you, you had a guy in Ryan Blaney, also guest coming on the show, standby, that was running between 7th and ninth all day, has a couple restarts. The Choose Cone played a big factor in both Xfinity race as well as the Cup race. I was wondering what you thought about this weekend's past two races, Chuck. I thought that this weekend was probably – I don't, everybody's been saying, oh, it was the best race of the year. It's like, I don't know if it was the best race of the year. That's probably recency bias that, you know, we just saw that race. So we're going to say it's the best one, but this season has been one of the better seasons for on track action. And 
Michigan lived up to that like tenfold because you had Austin Dillon up there in contention, making runs at the lead and you know, a guy that needs to get a win to get into the playoffs or needs to have a good points day. Now he might need to get a win to get into the playoffs. Not 100%. He could still point his way in. The chances of somebody behind 17th and, and lower are high as well. So there's if both RCRs don't make the playoffs here. If somebody from underneath them in, in the point standings can – can that this weekend. You've got 15 locked in right now because Kevin Harvick locked his way in. So that's a guy without a win, but he's got the points to get in. So there's one spot now left for Daytona. And the end of that race, like the end of stage two, really stage three, Austin Dillon and Keselowski getting together there at the end, kind of set the stage, if you will, for a sort of, uh, I, don't, I mean, it was an action-packed stage three which a lot of times you get in stage three, it's just these long green flag runs and not a lot happened. But to me, I was entertained throughout the whole race. You also had a huge missed opportunity with Reddick there, wrecking at the end. He could have swung the points and made it a must win. Now it's not necessarily a must win. So I think nobody's talking about that either. But Before we get too far into the end of that race, I want to talk about the incident between Ryan's guy and Austin Dillon uh, because I feel like that was – questionable and some people can put the blame on brad some people can put the blame on austin obviously richard childress was fired up enough to say he was going to whoop brad keselowski's ass which don't put it by him who did who did he punch in the face a long time ago robbie gordon hold my watch kyle bush was it kyle bush he punched yeah in the face? that was back before there was cameras everywhere i wish that would have been caught on film that'd have been nice but uh i know ryan had an interesting take on it what do you think about that transaction between the three and the two yeah, it was a tough deal, obviously, for the three car, you know, battling for what they're battling for and probably having their strongest run of the year. We, we've seen them be a team that can that can perform a mile and a half, so, you know, winning at Texas like they did last year and, and obviously bringing a good car this weekend. But I, I don't know, it just looked like Brad chased them down to the apron trying to get a side draft off him. And then he came back up the track a little bit quicker than I thought Brad thought he was going to. It was nothing but a racing deal. And it's a company man answer, obviously, but. When you watch it just with the blinders off, obviously I wasn't there, but it definitely looked like a situation where both guys weren't on the same page. And obviously the three cars are going to be mad about that. Tensions were probably high. Those guys are a little mad, but I, I, I just call it a racing deal. How far can you run the apron into turn one, Corey? There's a big bump right where the three was trying to kind of merge back up to the white line. It really depends on which trailer you're standing on. That's the analogy, right? If you're standing on the two truck, then it was the three that tried to merge too aggressively. And if you're standing on the three's truck, then it was the two chasing them down below the white line, which if, if I were to break it up from my own opinion, I would say 70% of that's Brad's fault. 30% of that is Austin's fault. It is a racing deal, but either it's not one person's fault more than the other. Maybe Brad's more fault because after the start finish line, you know, the, the trajectory of his car, the way he was trying to side draft and chase that three down, I, I believe they were racing for uh, fourth or fifth or, or a stage point, uh, which are still valuable at this point of the season. He chased them down to the white line and then they got to, to the start finish line. And the two was still trending to go left where the three was trying to get back up on the racetrack and miss that bump. So it was unfortunate for the three because those guys, Justin Alexander and the guys at RCR had Austin a fast piece and I, and he could have been a threat to win. Well, one thing to note for Brad, right? Everybody's like, I think I've seen people like, well, why is Brad racing that hard? He's already in the playoffs. What's the point? Well, Brad is on the cusp of being in that top 10 or not. He's 10. So he's fighting for every point he can because that's an extra point 
in the playoffs. So he's fighting for everything he can to stay in that top 10 for an extra point moving forward. So that's something to be noted. He's not just not racing for anything. And I think you heard it in Austin's voice. I was listening to his scanner for, I was doing production scan for NASCAR. So, you know, we can get all the cool scanner sound for uh, our scanner sounds show on uh, NASCAR.com, but also helping out with uh, other shows that we have. And you heard in Austin's voice, they asked, was he okay? And he just sounded defeated. Like the the tone in his voice is like, he knew that he had a, a hot rod of a car and he had a shot to, if it wasn't for the win, he could have had a top five, which could have been those points to almost lock him in going into the playoffs. So you heard it in his voice, but hearing Richard Childers come over the radio and say, I may be an old man, but I'll kick his ass. Like I, it kind of caught me off guard when I heard it. Cause you don't, I mean, Richard's involved on the radio, but like hearing somebody come over the radio and say, there's like, yeah, that, that's some old school NASCAR right there. It's like, I may be an old guy, but I still kick his ass. And it's his, it's family sticking up for uh family. But when you watch it, and I believe Austin even said it, like when he first got out of the car, he took a little bit of responsibility and then he saw the replay and was like, well, that's maybe a little bit more Brad. So to beat this dead horse a little bit more, it is one of them racing deals and it sucks, but it just means that heading into Daytona, there's going to be more pressure on those RCR guys. And you might see not that Daytona wouldn't going to be a, wasn't going to be a good show before could be an even better show now. I like how a lot of these disputes are handled in NASCAR anymore. People don't go to fisticuffs. People don't he hem somebody up in between the trailers. You know where they go? Social media. That's the best way to get your point across anymore. Get on Twitter. Maybe make a condescending tweet to somebody, and then you really stick it to them. That's the way I think every quarrel should be handled from here on out on a public square like Twitter. Merriman, what do you think? Yeah, I don't know about that. It doesn't. Uh, it doesn't make for intriguing highlights. I mean, look, I, I think you go back to some of the 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 moment that built the sport was, you know, the Allisons and Kale Yarborough at Daytona beating each other up on the infield when you know when men were men. So what was the last what was the last good like good fight we had? Not like Noah Gregson swinging and missing Harrison Burton last year Kentucky I believe probably it was. Ambrose punching Casey Mears in the face uh, at Richmond. What about Suarez? Suarez? Yeah, but that wasn't that a was punch. Nice. That was more of a oh. takedown. I mean, it's still that's contact. I mean, how many how many punches were thrown in '79? Uh, I, I mean, they were swinging swinging a helmet. They were swinging. Yeah, so yeah. I think the best one, the best one's Keselowski Gordon at Texas. Yeah, it's got to be. Kenseth got pretty too. Gordon and Burton. Are we forgetting the best fight of all time with John West Townley? And that wasn't. Oh, no. That was a good roll around on the asphalt wrestling match. That was. He had the reverse headlock and went down. It was such a bad fight. Nobody even tried to break it up. They just let, they let them go. We'll get the cars, and then if they're still there, we'll get them. It's like they're just standing there in awe of everything. Well, those, like, I don't want they to were also out of breath in 30 seconds. It was hilarious. I wonder if the winner of that got to cash out their trust fund first. Oh, God. Uh, that's probably You got a life supply of Zach sauce, I think. I can't wait 20 years from now, and Charles and Jonathan are still working at NASCAR, and they make the – the special um, Twitter wars of NASCAR, where we used to have make Tim Richmond documentaries and cool stuff, and you're gonna have Twitter wars of NASCAR. And he subtweeted, and he come back with a subtweet. <laughs> and Corey LaJoy <laughs> called him Dennis. <laughs> <laughs> After the third time, he tweeted his wrong name. <laughs> Tim, um, were hot. 
Oh man, yes, the Twitter Twitter wars of the early 2020s will be an excellent documentary uh, in yeah, my, my my later years of of my NASCAR career. Yeah. Um, another another one for the ages though to to not necessarily move this long, but moving along was was the end of that race and uh, our guy, the 12 car mm. team Penske teammate Ryan Blaney getting the win at what everyone was calling the uh, mini super speedway race. Well, Corey called that. You called that last Monday. You said it was going to be a mini yeah. Daytona. You know, there's you don't get the – you still need a little bit of mechanical grip and a little bit of aero grip because Michigan's corners are fairly fairly flat relative to Daytona's banking. But, um, you know, that's what you saw where somebody who might not have race-winning speed throughout the course of the race – can get a good restart, get a good push on the bottom line where the top three guys, we saw it on Saturday with uh, A.J. Allmendinger was running fourth to fifth, t- chose the bottom to be the first car on the bottom line. Uh, that might be wrong. No, Gregson did that, but A.J. got the push when he needed it and and ultimately took a race away from Josh Berry, who was a class of the field all day, c- turn around the next day, and Ryan Blaney was in fourth. The first three guys chose the top, and it's clean air. Ryan and I were talking about it before the show. You've got to be the first guy. You got to take the first row. I don't care if you're second, third, fourth. The first row, clean air, is precious real estate. Give me, give me the lead one thousand percent of the time, right? If you're on the front row, you're banking on somebody behind you to maybe push you, or you can get away with a good restart. If you're, if you're the second row or back, you're banking on the guy in front of you to have a good restart, right? So if you have an opportunity to be alongside of that guy and not stuck behind him, I don't understand what their thought process was to not take the front row if it's open. Give me the lead 1,000% of the time. You can make a case that down the back stretch out of two, if you were on the bottom line, you were getting freight trained if you couldn't get a hole. But I would run my, ch- I would take my chances to have clean air in front of me and four more tires on the outside of me to make the corner because eight tires always turn better. Than well, Blaney, Blaney took the chance, and really I think the move that ended up winning him the race was – I mean, Denny hooked up to the back of the 24's bumper on that last restart. I mean, and they were... Denny shoved the 24 off in the corner so hard it moved him up the track. Denny was planning on going high to go around him, but he shoved him too hard. That was eventually... I mean, you have to basically bank on somebody making a mistake and being perfect, but to your point, you've got to be on the front row and be clean on the inside to have that opportunity, and they capitalized on it. Well, I don't think any – maybe Chuck might have took, taken our guy in fantasy picks this past week. I, obviously, I was hammering the five pretty hard. He was in contention, but, um, you know, there was two or three guys with equal speed as him. He even said after the race was over that he didn't. He felt like he was a little bit conservative, maybe points racing a little bit more. Now he's seems to be in a fairly strong grip for that regular season champion, which is an extra 15 playoff points. So the five's looking pretty good. Even though he might not have got the trophy this weekend, he is set up pretty good, barring any sort of um, big one or a bad day here here at Daytona this weekend. Do you have any issue with that points racing for that extra 15 points in these closing? uh, like Because it's Kyle Larson. We expect Kyle Larson to go for the win every week and get that trophy. But is this a little bit of maturity out of him to say, all right, I can get a – 15 extra points give a little bit more of a cushion going into that first round to get out of that first round. I, I mean, in his position when he's sitting on five wins, I mean, you, you can, you can afford the points rate. 15 playoff points is three wins. Um, so that's, 
that's a lot of playoff points. That gives you a little bit of breathing room if you have a bad race in really any of any of the rounds because those reset all the way up until Phoenix. So, yeah, I think that there's times to uh, to hold them and there's time to fold them. And, you know, we saw the five not take some of the chances he might usually would have if it wasn't the second to last race of the regular season. You talk about that maturity level, Chuck. I mean, that was always Kyle Larson not being able to run a 400, 500-mile race in terms of using up his equipment and making bad decisions. You know, 2019 and back, that was always that was always the knock. And I think this year, I mean, he's front to back. He's been buttoned up. And I think the fact that you're seeing a guy like that make that decision, you know, I don't think it bodes well for, for the rest of the playoff field. When with our winner and Al Flores, if you want to speak to this, being a at, over there at Team Penske, Todd Gordon said it in the post-race interview that you're starting to kind of see Blaney. This is his first multi-win season, right? Everybody has always been like, ah, oh, you know, can he get multiple wins in a season? He does. Are, are we seeing the maturation of Ryan Blaney as well? Like, are we truly seeing this sort of changing of the guard moment in NASCAR? where these young guys are hitting their stride, where they're they're fully becoming seasoned veterans, they're getting the wins, they're doing what they need to do to championship race. Yeah, for sure. You know, Blaney, Blaney, no matter what, at the end of this year, is going to take on a stronger leadership role within Team Penske than he has in the past. He has no choice with Brad leaving. You know, Brad is uh, the, the number one all-time Penske, you know, win list. He's, he's, he's the guy at Penske right now. He's won their first... NASCAR championship, their first cup championship, you know, Joey and him are going to have two rookie teammates next year. And, um, and he's going to have to take on that role and, you know, he's going to have a new crew chief at the end of the year too, but he is a guy that is, that is definitely being able to close these races. You know, I, I feel like there was times when I changed tires for him, um, that, that we could, you know, have a great race and not be able to close. So for him to be able to finish these off, he clearly did not have the fastest car in the closing laps yesterday, but was able to defend between him and his spotter, Josh, and, and the whole team, it was a trying day for the pit crew. They were at in Packersham. They were working on their car, um, and, and it was a, it, it a blue-collar day. But for them to come out on top, um, that was a big deal. And for Penske to get a win at Michigan, which is an important deal to them, being Rogers' home track and Ford's home track, going into the playoffs, look for another strong run from them this weekend. And uh, hopefully we can carry some momentum going off in the playoffs. It might might change the tides of the whole season. Well, I know we got a first-class seat for our TV and NBC Sports watching that race yesterday. So let's come back and talk about a little pit road boats and woes. The only woes were sit, me sitting on a rower on a Sunday afternoon and you drinking some fizzies watching it on TV. Let's get back to it. And we're back for another section because you love to hear a pit road Boats and woes with my good friend Ryan Flores, who most of the time changes front tires for Brad Kozlowski, but not this weekend. We had a broadcaster's point of view this week. So was it woes or anything from the couch that looked appetizing from Michigan Speedway this past week? And man, I've just watched a lot of strategy stuff, trying to figure out when guys were going to pit, how far they were going to stretch it on fuel, um, watching who could run to the switch fast enough. There's a switch inside the cars that when you run out of fuel, you flip it. Gives you, what would you say, another lap of gas? I think it's like an extra three-quarter gallon. Yeah, I really like making fun of my gas man. Me and my gas man have been on the same team for eight years, which is like unheard of in the sport. So, um, 
I really uh, like Harper on him, but they ran pretty long uh, as far as going to the switch. Um, big thanks to Just Prevent for filling my spot, and uh, they just had a great had a great weekend. Um, they did a really really pretty good job filling in, which is not never. I think one of the hardest spots in all professional sports is the backup. So to be able to fill in and um, at Brad's home track do well, and just watching a lot, just a lot of strategy stuff, and you and I kind of went for a ride and came back and everybody was lined up to go. So uh, seeing the, where the rain fell and how everybody lined up after that was interesting. Yeah, I saw some guys take left, some guys take fuel only under the green flag stops to just try to uh, to get to the break to position himself with track position. Uh, and then we got Daytona this week. It's another monster in itself. You have green flag pit stops. You have a lot of guys in the lead lap at the same time all coming down pit road. You can't win a race on pit road at Daytona necessarily, but you sure can lose it with green flag entries, with missing lug nuts, with sliding through your pit box, there's way more variables there uh, than a lot of other places we go to. Why is that? So much of it's on the driver, right? And then you'll see the manufacturers kind of hook up and all pit the same time under green, right? The Toyotas will come with Toyotas, Fords with Fords, Chevys with Chevys. A lot of times that's what they'll do. If you come down and have a bad stop, lose the draft, you're out of the race, right? Then... Also, if you come down and have a good stop, right, you're, you're not going to pass your teammates on the track. You're going to stay in line most of the time, right? But if you can come off in that last cycle, the first one of your teammates, the first Ford or the first Chevy, your chance is so much better than the guy that's third, fourth, second in line even. So it's a, it's a really easy place to pass without pissing a teammate off. Um, the flip side of that, if you don't get it right the first time down pit road, you're mired back in the in the trunk, and you're just hoping for everybody else to wreck. We'll see with this new package. Um, I, I don't expect tire fall off to be important. If you lose track position, you'll probably bolt four on it. If not, you'll be uh, doing what you can to make it to the end. The the unique thing now, obviously, we don't have any practice, but practice was a great opportunity to come down and, and practice a live green flag pit road entry. There's no place harder to get down pit road or to green than Daytona because a, you've been running around for 30 laps or however many laps you're going in a green run, not even touching the brake one time. So you run the smallest brakes, smallest rotors you possibly can for rotating weight. So then you're asking uh, your car to go from ice cold brakes to stopping a 200 mile an hour car in less than four football fields. And it's easy to overshoot that. You see a lot of guys slot stop tires. It's probably one of the hardest things. Um, that we do as drivers. Now we don't even get a, a shot to practice it. You're kind of going off your previous marks. You've done that in the past. And another thing is, is usually the only time you come down for a green flag stop when it really matters is the money stop. And it's the last green flag stop that leads you to the other race. So you said it earlier, a lot of it's on the drivers on how you get it in the box, how you get it down pit road and also not speeding, but you want to make sure that you don't want to give up any time either because you can drop, drop off the end of that line you could have a penalty and it'll completely ruin your day uh, if you don't catch the caution to the right spot. It's a night race at Daytona, so it's a little bit of a variable. What's the difference in Daytona at night versus day? I, I think the, the night race, you know, in July at Daytona, it's always – it's a little bit shorter race, right? Um, there's a little bit less give and take. I would say you're not as nervous coming to the end, right? You're really nervous trying to be pretty strategic for the Daytona 500. Uh, for, for this race, I think you're going to see a lot of guys throwing caution to the wind. Um, you win and you get in the playoffs, right? And there's only one spot left. This is crazy that it's come down to this, that there's only really 
anybody who wins in the playoffs. And and if even if, you know, it, it could not be Austin or Tyler, it could be anybody else um, that that 16th spot can go away pretty fast. So it's going to be interesting to see. Obviously, the RCR guys are really fast. Um, see if they work together, what happens there. I uh, look for the Penske cars to be good again. They, they've um, probably, you know, we're in a really good position to win this race in February. Uh, the two car won the last super speed we were at. So with the 12 winning last week and, and they, they're in a spot where they can just stay aggressive, you know, where uh, a lot of other guys are going to have to hang out in the back and kind of wait and see, um, try to buy their way in the playoffs. But the stakes are high for those that are not in right now, like yourself. I can guarantee you. My belts are going to be banjo strength tight because that Bill Bar Camaro is going to be wedged up in the mix all day long. I don't care. I've, been, I've had two weeks to think about it. That's where I've been. I've been thinking about it since Indy. Hey, I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm pulling for you. I hope you run second to us. Ain't happening. Because <laughs> if he's in front of me, he's getting dumped. <laughs> Sorry about nice. your bad luck. And that would be a whoa we could talk about next week on Stacking Pennies. And we've got a big guest, the past winner at Michigan, Mr. RYB himself, co-host of our competitor, Class Case of Emotion podcast. Stand by to see what Mr. Ryan Blaney had to say about this past weekend's win. Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Shockingly, we have Ryan Blaney on the podcast this week. He won at Michigan. He won in our hearts. Uh, yeah, I thought about texting Kim and saying, hey, maybe we get her to hop on and have a little uh, glass case reunion on this show today. But Ryan Blaney, welcome to Stacking Pennies. Uh, you are a repeat guest. So welcome back to the show. Yeah, I mean, I, it's it's just amazing to me how y'all get me to come on this show, you know, after the junk day talk and, uh, you know, pretty much like a like a 2.0 version of glass case of motion. So, you know, happy to be here though. Happy to support uh, all the podcasts out there and videos. And um, yeah, I'm here. Corey's not, but I'm here. He had a, he had a, a commitment that he, uh, he had to, he had to go see about. So mm-hmm. we're filling in doing a, a somewhat admirable job. It's probably not that great. Oh, it's, it's, it's good. Better. Yeah. We're, we're, we're elevating this show to uh glass hole level so by the time we'll, we'll get that uh ryan blaney bump in downloads because we'll tweet it out and they'll think we're doing a glass case episode but no no 
This is just stacking things. That's right. That's right. Chuck, you've you've hit your glass case quota for the day. You cannot. You can no longer say that word. Okay, I will not say it anymore. But I will ask about Michigan. Congratulations on the win. Awesome job. It's the first time in your career that you've won multiple races in a season. How badass does that feel, knowing that you got uh, two little flags by your name on the car this yeah. year? Yeah, definitely makes you feel better. Um, you know. Uh, you know, being able to, to win a couple of times in the year, hopefully we can do it more, but yeah, it's just something that I haven't been able to do, uh, you know, in years prior of trying to get multiple wins and, you know, that's kind of, you're fortunate to win the race, you know, win a race a year, but you want to win more obviously. And, and kind of, you know, be a, a bigger contender. So, uh, awesome to win up in Michigan a couple of days ago. Um, you know, obviously it's a huge weekend for Ford, uh, you know, driving for Mr. Penske it's, it's in his backyard too. So. Uh, that was exciting, uh, the end of that race, and uh, was really cool. We were able to hold them guys off and get our second one of the year. Yeah, nice nice double stickers we got on the, on the roof there now. Uh, Todd Gordon was talking about your maturity and your growing level of maturity behind the wheel of the race car. Talk a little bit about the process that has been working with him and, and working on things in and out of the race car and, and being in a position going into next year where, you know, it's it's not – you brad and joey it's you and joey you know bringing up two young guys in austin and harrison yeah um you know and working with todd the last you know year and a half has been you know a blast it's it's uh it's been really neat to get to you know i, I really like loved working with jeremy bowling my first crew chief but you know when you work with somebody new you kind of you know this person does things a little bit differently you know this crew chief and, and it kind of it'll just broaden your knowledge of kind of racing and, and how to go about stuff. And then that's the same with crew chiefs and drivers. You know, you have a driver that, you know, races like this, you have a driver that races like that. And it, it kind of, it helps everybody else just experience. So, um, but yeah, like you said, with, you know, Brad moving on, um, you know, me and Joey will be the old guys over there at, uh, at the Penske team and bringing in Austin and Harrison, um, you know, I'll be able to, we'll be able to kind of hopefully help them out as much as we can. And, uh, you know, sp speeding up their kind of learning process, right? Which everyone's going to be learning this new car, but um, yeah, it's, it's been a lot of fun to work with Todd. It's, it's been cool to kind of grow with the team Penske family uh, throughout the years. And hopefully it's getting to a time where, you know, it, it's starting to be that time of, you know, you're starting to come into the guy with multiple years of experience and, and you hope to pass that down to your younger teammates. Well, in 2022, that's still a couple of months off. We're you know going to Daytona this weekend, and then boom, Darlington. The playoffs are here. All three Penske cars are in, and you know you've got a guy in Brad Keselowski who's going over to Roush next year, and then you and Joey. You know you've got three cars that are competing for those championship for for the championship. What's the I don't know what you want to say uh, mindset like at Team Penske? Like heading into this first round, like what are you guys talking about? What are you guys like circling? What are you looking at heading into the playoffs? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to believe it's already here pretty much. You know, we have one more race and then boom, it's, you know, 10 week playoffs. And, you know, the biggest thing for us is just executing the best we can. Obviously, you want fast cars and, and that's something that we're working on, but uh, we, we just got to do our job well. And I think Michigan kind of spoke to that. We, we didn't have the best car, um, we didn't have, you know, the overall speed I thought to compete with some of those other guys, but we did a very good job on pit road. Uh, we executed the race really well. We worked hard on getting better and better throughout the day. And you find yourself in a position to try to capitalize and win the race. And that's what we did. And, and those are the days you need to do that. You know, you need to really uh, perform 
very, very well on the best of your abilities because it's it's not easy, but it's a lot easier when you have a, a super fast car, right? When you when you don't have the speed, everyone has to do their job very, very well. And, and I thought we did that. So, you know, those days like that are, are going to be huge in the playoffs when, all right, maybe you don't have the fastest car, but let's just execute really well and, and we'll be able to make a good day out of this. And that's something we're looking forward to in the playoffs. And, you know, you, you want to have the fastest car every single week, um, but it's, it's that balancing act that you have to have. And um, hopefully we, you know, made a, a really big statement on that side of it at Michigan. All right, you're going to love this question. I have a history of asking you questions that you really, really love. Uh, round one of the playoffs last year, obviously, I'm sure you have a bad taste in your mouth from. What What will be different this year at Darlington, Richmond, and Bristol so you don't find yourself on the outside looking in? That's a great question. You're you're doing well on, the, on those. Uh <laughs> You know, I mean, Darlington started off last year. You know, we had a, a kind of a, a kind of a dumb penalty uh, to start of that race of, of leaving a weight bag to where it, you know, it was just overlooked and having you know points taken away from us starting at the back. Todd going home, not able to crew chief that race. That just put you behind the eight ball, and, and then we didn't perform great. Um, but I look at those things. You know, Darlington and Richmond probably not have been our best tracks in the past, but the races there earlier this year we ran really well. Uh, and that was the best we've ever run at those tracks. So uh, we were able to build a lot off of those two races uh, to, to look into the playoffs. So uh, it's nice having a little bit more bonus points going into the first round this year and, and then, you know, the rest of the round. So, uh, but we look at those two races, you know, earlier in the season and, and figure out, okay, we ran, you know, really good here. We ran how we needed to run. Uh, how can we build off of those? Uh, now that you finally have a good run at those places, all right, what do we need to do to just keep that up and keep improving? So that's something that I've really, liked you know that we had earlier in the season and just try to build off that but uh, it just kind of goes back to minimize mistakes you know you can't put yourself behind the eight ball and uh, but then you got to run well too and I think we've made a big gain at those racetracks and I'm looking forward to going back and being even better there we, we've seen it in the past where somebody gets that second win in a season and then it almost opens the floodgates and boom it's a multiple win season Daytona you know obviously super speedway track uh you've got a proven track record at those tracks track record at the tracks anyway could we see a follow-up back-to-back win you know like or, or like are we gonna see a third fourth win this season for ryan blaney i mean i sure hope so um you know that's the goal um you know daytona you never know what can happen obviously we we have a good speedway program at team penske um we have a little bit different rules package than what we've had there you know the last handful of races at talladega and daytona uh so we'll see how that kind of goes um in the draft but yeah our, our speedway stuff's been really strong uh we've shown it at our, our at our camp you know very often um with with running really well at those places so it's all about you know having a good day and and kind of multiple things go into that right you want to win the race and win stages and stuff like that but also you know we're in a really close points battle with the 19 um you know trying to get him in points before the regular season ends that's another you know playoff more playoff points you get for regular season points. And then also trying to just finish and finish well at Daytona because that regulates how you start at Darlington. You know, if you go to Daytona, get wiped out, you're going to start in the back uh, at Darlington. And that's not how you want to start off. But, uh, you know, that that's sometimes kind of out of your control. But, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I really think that we have a good shot at it this weekend because um, our Speedway program has been really good and just got to do our jobs the best we can and put ourselves in a spot again to win the race. Uh, and then, you know, who knows? We could go uh, on a tear here, but that's the plan, obviously. Um, 
And I think our team is, is plenty capable of doing it. All right, so one more here before we get to the first round of the playoffs in Daytona. You happen to be one of the better speedway racers in the field, and I feel like that's really been built up and put on display the past two or three seasons. But even before that, when you're racing with the Wood Brothers, I, I can remember Daytona 500, you're always in the mix. In the dual races, you're always in the mix. and the Clash, you're always in the mix. What is it about those races? Is it timing? Is it anticipation? What makes you succeed there? And do you like it? Because some people might not like it. If- yeah, I mean, you made good points, you know, timing, anticipation, and, um, you know, really good teamwork. Obviously, you know, drivers and spotters have to be on the same frequency really um you know as far as communication and, and understanding each other and josh williams my spotter has done a great job and he and i've gotten you know really really close over the years of okay kind of understanding each other's languages and timing and um i think that's really important when you go to those places you know you look at i think some of the best speedway races you know like junior and keselowski and you know they had spotters they worked with for a long time and they understood what the driver wanted and the driver understood how the spotter you know reacted to all those situations and, and you just kind of mesh um and a fast car obviously helps but uh, it's a lot of communication um from driver to spotter and that's that's one of the biggest things uh, when it comes to those tracks and uh me and josh have, have done a great job i think of building over the years and, and just kind of getting that down and um you know you try to utilize it the best you can I saw, and it's kind of shifting gears a little bit, uh, the the celebration after Michigan. I saw the photo on social media of you, Bubba, Mamba, all holding your dogs. Yeah. And then I saw uh, NBC, NASCAR and NBC uh, cropped out Mamba. Mamba. Yeah. Yeah. Like, wh- what's yeah. up with that? I, don't ask me. Ask NBC. I mean, that's, yeah, we, we were um, we were at the house, and, uh, yeah, I had my dog over. The dog that Mamba was holding was actually my sister's dog. Um, but, but he was over there and, uh, yeah, so we did the same thing in Atlanta, me and Bubba, you know, we had Sturgill and Asher and we held them up and got a picture. And I was like, man, we got to recreate that. It's gotta be like a tradition, hold your dogs up. And, uh, so yeah, then NBC cut mom out. Like that was terrible. I couldn't believe it. And I saw the next day and, and he come walking in he's like, what the heck did NBC do? I'm like, don't say it with me. I have no idea. Uh, and I said, that was mean though. I said, you need to say something to those guys. And um but yeah that was that was cool uh getting all the dogs together and maybe we'll just keep building it like we'll have like four dogs next time five dogs after that you, you never know just got to keep building the 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 puppy collection really uh but yeah nbc did him dirty and uh you know i think they made up for it i think they apologized but the deed was done we've got to stick up for our nascar.com uh, uh nascar.com right. brethren well, look, Bu- Bubba's dog has his own damn commercial. What are you doing? Sturgill doesn't have a commercial yet. You need to get on that. Yeah, I mean, I'm not as famous as either one of those people um, that hit Bubba's dog or Bubba. So I don't have to pull uh, as those guys have. Uh, what was it? It was like a PetSmart commercial yeah, or something like PetSmart, that. PetSmart, DoorDash, PetSmart commercial. You know, I, I can get maybe like Sturgill into a Menards or something. Um, Wasn't Sturgill, it was, I thought he was in the one of the Flag and Anthem deals wasn't he it, yeah he's in he's in the flag and anthem like photo shoots uh he was in a body armor photo shoot when he was a puppy maybe i'll we'll do a commercial with him and body armor like i'll just fill up his dog bowl with body armor and he'll be just rehydrated immediately uh just so got, on it's everything. got what sturgill need it's got what sturgill's crave exactly or, or maybe like if advanced auto parts starts selling like dog toys you know we can bring them in there so i'm trying to plug all my sponsors right you know right. while we're That's, talking about this and like yeah. coming up with ideas i think we can do it uh, so maybe one day Sturgeon will be, you know, good enough to be on a commercial. Uh, we'll just find out. 
Well, he can do print. It's just it's that leap from print to video. That's where you know. Yeah, we got to get where all the, That's where all the trouble of canine acting comes in. You know, when you actually have to act and you know sit well, and and you can easily you can take a photograph, but you know you got to be good on video. So we're working on that. I got him a talent coach, and and we'll figure out where we got to go. Yeah, same here. <laughs> well ryan before uh we let you go uh since you're on here before we've done the would you rather but we got another round of questions and we've got a question that'll be the third question that we've asked pretty much every driver so let's kick this off would you rather sticking with the dog uh theme would you rather eat dried dog food for a year and win the cup championship or eat whatever you want and win a minimum of five races every year for the next ten years, but never win the championship. And the caveat is, you have you have you don't have any adverse effects from eating, um, like all of the whatever you want. Like you're not going to get like high cholesterol or anything like that. Right. So. Like like how many championships would I win? You just win it one year. Like if uh, I ate you, the dog food. If you ate the dog food, you would at least win one championship. At least win one champion, but no, yeah. there's, there's, you have no idea how many wins you're going to have. Right. And you have no guarantee that you would win more championships, but you can guarantee one for eating dog food for a year or, or minimum five years for t- five wins per year for 10 years. Yeah. Minimum guys. Five. That's 50 wins. At least I know, that, that puts you in like, like each of those, a championship and 50 wins puts you in rare, That's tough, man. That's really tough. Oh man. Man, I, I won't win a championship, man, and, and just leave the wins up to, you know, fate. You know, if you do good enough to, you know, I could eat dog food. You know, I could do it. Uh, dog food technology has come a long ways. Eat it like Cocoa Puffs. Eat it like cereal. Put, mil- put milk in it. Uh, you know, it can't be that bad. Dogs eat it. We're fine. Yeah. 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 It's chicken and barley. You'll be fine. It's yeah, going to be fine. great. That's disgusting. All right. Would you rather shave your you gotta head? You got to be committed, man. You got to be committed to the championship. Yeah. yeah, so you can have that. That's why I'm not a race car driver. Uh, I do look like I eat a lot of things, but dog food's not one of them. <laughs> but, all right, so would you rather shave your head slick for a year or wax all your body hair off for a year? Oh, man. Hair's like, important be, to you. Like, you got to be either, like, body bald for a whole year or head bald for a whole year. Yeah. I would probably do the body hair because one, well, my arms and legs are really hairy, but like, I don't have a lot of chest hair. Um, and I like my head hair, you know, I think, you know, so that's like big, that's like big. And how often, you know, if you're in a a lot of people shave their body hair nowadays, Oh, wow. I'm talking wax it like full on Steve Carell, Kelly Clarkson, like slick. Yeah. Yeah. Get my body hair off me. I'm fine with that. I'd rather keep my hair hair. I don't want to walk around bald. Yeah. Can't do are, that. You, are you worried about helmet hair later in your career? We're going to find that out later in my career. I have no, I have no, <laughs> idea. I have no idea. I think by the time that I have, I have helmet hair, uh, the, the hair transplant technology is just going to be through the roof. It'll just probably dip you. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's already, it's already heading that way. Yeah. You're, there's all these commercials. I see it and, uh, it's not stapling ant legs to your head anymore. It's like actual stuff. You can actually <laughs> like digest a pill. Sewing in the plugs, you know, just yeah, making no, no, sure no. that they're in there. It ain't hair plugs no more. <laughs> Stapling and legs. Very, very good. Yeah. All right. Last would you rather question. This is one that we have asked everybody uh, that has been on the show. If you could race, it's not really a would you rather, I guess. If you could race any car at any track, what would that car and track be? 
I would run up, want to race like a 1970s or 80s F1 car at like Bristol. At Bristol. Be, I think that'd be pretty nuts. You'd probably pass out for with all the G's. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, what, G, what G's do you crazy. think you're pulling? I mean, I have no idea. Over 10 every time you go in the corner, maybe. I don't know. But yeah, maybe not in like an 80s F1 car. Didn't have it. I don't know. But yeah, like that'd be funny. That'd be hilarious. Like you wouldn't even, you know, lap, we'd be running like 11 seconds around there in an F1 car. Yeah, be crazy. Well, you heard it there. He's going to run an F1 car at Bristol. Uh, just, just calling that, putting that one out there into the ether. Maybe we can uh, at some point make that happen. Ryan Blaney, congratulations on the win at Michigan. Good luck in Daytona. And thank you for joining us on Stacking Pennies. All right. Thanks for having me, guys. Have a good one. You too. All right, guys, we are back with an eNASCAR segment, refreshed by Coca-Cola, driver of the number 75 mode motorsports hot rod, Matt Busa. Thanks for joining Stack and Pennies. You betcha. Thanks for having me. Did we catch you mid-race? You're in the rig, got the headset on. Looks like you're about to go tear somebody up there. <laughs> this is where I got the Zoom camera set up for the broadcast on race days, but yeah, I got the nice Coca-Cola advertisements here as well. Absolutely. Definitely. I mean, you're a true professional in every aspect of the of the work now out of a 40 hour work week i'm always intrigued by how the dedication that you guys have to the game and what you know you guys really really are professionals in the i race it's the uh, i race and coke series i believe and uh you, know, you guys spend as much time on the rig as you do normal day so what's a no normal work week look like for you um yeah it's actually uh misconception a lot of people have they think like this is everybody's full-time job you know it's, it's always a saying it's just a bunch of gamers sitting in their parents basement <laughs> but um i mean the reality of it is almost everybody in the series is either in college so a full-time student or they have a full-time job outside of the sim um in my case i work full-time uh nine to five office job right now i'm working from home um because of covid last year we transitioned to working from home and then I got switched managers, and lo and behold, now I'm permanently working from home, which I love. So yeah, my daytime job is a data analyst for a company called Car, and what I do is basically buy used vehicles using data science, and then buy them for other dealerships, and the vehicles just show up on their lot. That takes me till about 4 or 5 p.m. my time. By then, I'll either be too hungry and have an early dinner, or I'll go straight into iRacing and just get some testing in. Usually depends what my team is doing, but at most we usually never test more than two hours per night. And in between each race, we have 14 days. And I would say about seven to eight days of those would be testing. So not as much time as people think, but still definitely a lot of time is needed. You must not have any kids because that window of iRacing would close up tremendously. <laughs> Yeah, I've got a little cat. He's a bit of a, a rascal sometimes during the races. I actually have to lock him up. I've got his carrier right next to me because a couple times he's jumped on my PC right on that power button and it's gone just straight off. So can't have that happen during a race. <laughs> now that's a that's a Denny Hamlin TV type scenario I've ever heard one. And inter interestingly enough, there is an artifact in your basement. I was, that was a joke. You're not in basement because you have a window behind you, so at least it's first level. There is something hanging on your wall with a little bit of sentimental attachment to it. What's the story on that? Yeah, so this checkered flag right up here. Um, 2020, before our Coke season started, 
Uh, we had media days, just like the NASCAR drivers do. We went to Charlotte, North Carolina. Denny Hamlin saw us there, and he invited uh, my team and a few other guys to his house. And in his house, which is massive, by the way, he has a bowling alley in his basement. And he said if anybody can throw a strike on their very first try, they would get his 2016 Daytona 500 checkered flag that he signed as well. Little did anybody else know of the iRacers there. That was on my high school bowling team. So I had a, a little bit of an advantage and it finally paid off. <laughs> and I, yeah, I threw a strike first try. Um, I think Jimmy Mullis actually threw a strike as well. And we had to go to sudden death. Um, and I got two in a row. So that's why I got this flag right up here. Speaking of Jimmy Mullis, both you guys have punched your ticket to the playoffs, right? You guys were fighting for what I believe is it a hundred thousand dollars to win the championship correct 100k let's just say that you get the job done for kyle long and that mode motorsports group what would you do with that hundred thousand dollars um i don't really have a plan for it yet <laughs> if i if i win it that is but um because like going into that michigan race i didn't think i was going to make the playoffs so wasn't thinking about any any chance of even winning the championship at all but I would probably put some in stocks, maybe some crypto, maybe look into getting a new car and treat my girlfriend to a really nice uh, vacation. Maybe Applebee's, maybe go to Applebee's, get a quesadilla burger. <laughs> of course. That Merriman, you're, you're my dang e-NASCAR guy. Why don't you pitch in on this interview a little bit? For people that don't know, Matt, tell them about your situation going into last week. And, I mean, really, the last lap last week was just as wild as what we saw on track at Michigan on Sunday. I mean, it was absolutely bizarre. So walk us through that last lap and kind of fill Corey in on on the madness that was uh, out of your windshield there uh, coming to the checkered flag. Yeah, so we had um, a final restart with about seven laps to go. And... 100-lap race. Up until that point, I led, I believe it was 18 laps. So I've been up front for most of the race. I was in about fifth place, I believe, coming to the white flag. And at that point, I thought it was over. I kind of, like, my heart kind of sunk. And I thought, like, oh, well, we're just going to be fighting for top 20 now in points. And then I managed to get to the high side of the fourth place driver, who was actually my mode teammate. And at that point, I kind of gain some confidence there. I was like, all right, maybe if I get a big run off turn two here, we can go down the back stretch, get side by side with third place. If the leaders tangle with each other, who knows? And then sure enough, that's what pretty much exactly what happened. The two leaders got together on the back stretch. Um, first place went spinning down the apron. At that point, I was side by side for third. And then the new leader going into turn three, he could have probably blocked more aggressively. He left about half a car length on the inside. So I had my two left side tires on the apron going into turn three and just sent it in there. He barely touched. He still finished second. wasn't uh, wasn't hard contact at all and managed to get the win. And still still pretty surreal. Man, that was a that was a race call that would have made Mike Bagley proud. I mean, that was an electric <laughs> end to that I race. Now, I don't. I mean, I'm speaking for myself here, but when we were doing those pro invitational races, I was a sweaty mess like i felt more tense and just like worn out mentally not so much physically but just like i don't know because i'm you're white knuckling it the whole time like you don't want to crash obviously and it feels like it's the easiest thing in the world just to wreck one of those things because you don't really know it. next thing you know you're back in the fence do you ever wear like a heart rate monitor or like sweat bands during the race or are you just like cool comic collect 
I've I've never done any of that, but I know my teammate actually, Michael Conti, he's worn his, I think an Apple, an Apple product that has a heart rate monitor on it. And his his heart rate does peak if there's like a record in front of him or just the closing laps if he's up there competing. It gets pretty high up there. So but yeah, I mean it's not very physical. I mean your wrists, um, your arms even will be sore if you're doing uh let's say two, three hour race on I racing. But yeah, the mental aspect of it is really, really up there as well as what you guys do in the real world. It's interesting, man. I'm always fascinated by that because the guys who are good at it are so much better than just people who just hop on and start their computer up and, and go. So, hey, good luck to you in the playoffs, man. Hopefully you uh, pop a couple wins off. And I believe the championship race is at Texas, right? It's not not in Phoenix. So good luck at Texas. And hopefully you get that hundred grand from uh, old Coca-Cola. Thanks, man going to be tough but hopefully we get it hey you can do it channel some of that uh daytona 500 wind flag and maybe give you some <laughs> juice like space jam yeah believe any of that or the harvick flag up here if you can kick it into gear this year no no harvick's <laughs> done he's out better rub on that daytona 500 flag that's got way more magic into that four flag does at the moment cool man i appreciate it matt for jumping on stacking pains with us on the e-nascar segment refreshed by coca-cola Sorry, guys. As we know, the most unpredictable race on the schedule is Daytona International Speedway. And I kind of love it being the last regular season race of the year. It makes it super exciting. But what it does make it is unpredictable. So what we're going to do is we're going to completely guess at these jackpot race choices. Merriman, what do we got? All right, Group 1, Kyle Larson, Denny Hamlin, William Byron, Chase Elliott, Joey Logano, or Kyle Busch? Hmm. That's a tough one. I'm going to go – I mean, I think that Joey, uh, big spotter move this past week. We saw the two of the 22 spotters flip-flop. Coleman Presley, who's also one of Joey's best friends on the roof and in Joey's ear. Uh, Joey, to Coleman, uh, Ryan will tell you, he's probably one of the better – the best guys up on top of the roof. So, as good as Joey is at Speedways and as much uh, practice and uh, homework that Coleman does, they're going to be a tough duo to beat at the Speedways. Yeah, for sure. Those two guys really strong. Quite frankly, if you look at Joey Logano, I think he's only going to have one win going into the playoffs. Another five, another five or six playoff points um, goes a long way. So he's going to be doing everything he can to uh, get some points heading in. I'm going to take the 11 on this one. I think that Denny Hamlin, who has you know done well at Daytona in the past, I think he gets that win uh, right before the playoffs and kind of puts that 11 team in a good position uh, for the start heading into Darlington. I don't think anybody in this first group is going to win the race, but I think Joey Logano's probably got the best shot, so I'll agree with you guys. Oh, that's a cool take. Ryan Blaney, yeah, that's what I'm known for. Ryan Blaney, Kevin Harvick, Truex, Keselowski, Alex Bowman, Kurt Busch. I do think your winner comes from this group. If all five lugs are tight, skip Flores. I'll take the two car. Hey, man, I'm going, you know who I'm going with, the defending super speedway race winners. Uh, had a good shot to win the Daytona 500. Then it got offered with our teammate. We are going to get some redemption. Chuck's taking Kurt Busch. We already know that. Corey, who you got? <laughs> yeah, uh, he's still on board the old Curtis train. I'm not, though. That's not who I'm taking. Ryan Blaney seems to have the most speed at a super speedway any given week. Now, does that translate to wins all the time? He's won a Talladega a couple times. I'm going to go with our guest here this week for next week to be in the hunt 
for victory lane, Ryan Blaney. Corey and I are on the same page. It looks like we're all Team Pinsky for this, but I'm thinking the 12. I think that this is one of those moments you saw it with Chase a couple of years ago, that first year that he broke through and got that second win. I think Ryan Blaney rattles off a couple more wins uh, to wrap out the season, and I think it starts here at Daytona. Let's push pause on the jackpot races conversation. Let's hit play on what the hell is going on with Stuart Haas. They are done. If you have any stock in Stuart Haas for 2021, sell it. It is over with. Those guys are done. So, Hey, that 14 car was was looking pretty good at the end of that race. But to your point. He ran 30th all day. He got in the right line a couple of restarts. They got jammed up. He went around that wreck with Joey and, and Mark Truex. Stuart Haas, they don't have the speed to get it done. Sell it. But that's all you have to do. At the end of the day, you got to be in position. You got to stay clean throughout the rest of the day to be in position to be there at the end. No? No. 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 You got to have speed. It comes down in the playoffs. You got to have speed and you got to have consistent results. You can't back into three races in the round of 12. You can't back your way into the round of eight. There will be not a, there will be maybe one. Stuart Hostar in the top eight, if they're lucky. To your point, Darlington, Richmond, and Bristol, uh, I mean, that's just, with how they've been running, it's going to be tough for them. It's going to be really hard. I thought, for some reason, on, on this, um, Merriman sounded a lot like Corey there. So I didn't know who that cold date was from. But <laughs> I, you know, all you got to do in these playoffs is win three races, right? If they make it through the first round, they can win three races and win the championship. You don't – I'm not ready to, to give up on Kevin Harvick, but maybe I held on to Jimmy Johnson for too long too. Um, I am not selling my Stuart Haas stock yet, but it is low at the moment. You're, you're looking at offers is what you're saying. <laughs> no, yeah, I, yeah I, he, he, he wants to sell it. He just can't find a buyer for it because nobody <laughs> wants to buy it as well as all right, let's move to group three. I think this right here is going to be the toughest group uh, to pick because I think you know you've got a lot of guys with a chance to win. Austin Dillon, a lot on the line. Tyler Reddick, a lot on the line. Christopher Bell, Matt Benedetto, a lot on the line. Ross Chastain, he likes to throw his nose in there every once in a while. And Michael McDowell, the Daytona 500 winner. Group three, a bit of a doozy. That's a, I mean, that's a wild group there. I mean, those are those are a group of kamikazes. If you will, and we've seen Ross when he was driving for Spire Motorsports in the 500. He was up in the mix, got crashed late. Um, you know, obviously McDowell could get the job done. He was in the right spot at the right time. Brian brought it up in, in Pit Road Boats and Woes, where the speed of the racing has turned into this OEM war and battle of numbers where Fords, they stick together, they stay in a line, they all pit together. Same with Chevys, same with Toyotas. And it's really and truly about what shakes out in terms of your strategy at the end of those races to see which group of OEMs positions themselves in front of the others. So, you know, I'm, I'm going to take an RCR car, one of the two, you know, Austin has proved that he knows where victory lane is at Daytona. So I could, uh, I could see the three making a Hail Mary, Hail Mary pass to punch their ticket into the playoffs. I think from a, from like a, just from purely a pit crew side of things, the eight car here through the summer, the last uh, 10 weeks has been, one of the best teams on pit road. They made a huge turnaround. They're um, a group of kind of old school, um, just old school older dudes that that just uh, they're just racers. They get after it. But who I'd like to see um, win uh, is is the twenty one. Obviously, my teammates I'd like to see another Ford get it done, and uh, I'd like to see 
Canadian Linwood struck the victory lane for the 100th victory. I'm taking the 21 as well. And if you were watching our Zoom call, I've got a shot of Neil Bonnet climbing in. I believe it's Charlotte back in the day in 1982. Neil Bonnet. They were racing at Daytona, Chuck. You know that? I know we're racing at Daytona. I'm holding my Circle B die cast signed David Pearson. Um, What is this? I should know. I'm a a bad fan. It's a Torino? Mercury. It's a Mercury Cyclone. I was going to say, that looked like the Cyclone. But 19, 1971, great year. Dar- Darlington. Well, I'm, holding this, I'm holding this thing of ink cartridge, and I'm wondering why the hell Merriman last case promotions poster and not a stack pennies poster. And That's what I'm wondering. Merriman, I know we're racing in Daytona, and that is the other reason why I'm taking the 21 to maybe not get the win and get that 100th uh, win for the Wood Brothers, but they have a strong history at that racetrack, and I think he could do well – get a good finish out of that group, and potentially be up there contending for that win, which I like that storyline. One thing we do know about NASCAR, from its inception, has always delivered on storylines. Now, I'm not a prophet, and I'm not saying this is going to happen or that's going to happen, but that would be a hell of a storyline with Matt DeBedendetto on the way out, no seat to grab for the 2022 season, punches his ticket for the playoffs, and gets the Woodbillers his 100th win. That would be a damn storyline and a fable only NASCAR could deliver. So it wouldn't be far-fetched to put your money on the 21 car. And he's been in the mix with the 95. He was up there at the LFR. Um, he's always a top-10 guy to speedway because he doesn't care. He's just up there uh, racing. You know, like He could have won Talladega if he'd have blocked. Yep. Right. He was in a big, big spot, Talladega. He was in the mix at Michigan this past weekend, too. Top, top. Uh, he was a top ten guy all day. He took some tires when a lot of guys didn't. Lost some track. Just came back to finish fifth or sixth, I believe. I should know that. I think it was sixth. Um, but yeah, kudos to Matt DeBenedetto. He's in a little bit of a roll. So don't count on Guido out this weekend. What about the long shots, Merriman? Yeah. Uh, all right. So we'll just we'll just buzz through here till we get to your name. So Group Four is Stenhouse, Almirola, Busher, Wallace, Newman, Jones. Uh, group five, Chase Briscoe, Cole Custer, Daniel Suarez, Corey LaJoy, Ryan Priest, and Justin Haley. Uh, this is an easy one. Chase Briscoe. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I, you know, I feel like I'm easy money this weekend. I'm only plus 1,000, uh, uh, plus, I don't know, 1,400,000, give or take. 6,600. Odds to win are 6,600. So, yeah, I'd throw uh, five bucks if I was in Vegas on that. Well, a little birdie might have told the, the fans that the 77 and the 7 both have AE motors this weekend loaded for Bear down at Daytona. So we're not going to be worried about uh, getting out motored. We're going to be we're going to be up in the mix. Y'all got nitrous. Got, the guy in the 7 car got fresh legs, too. Mm-hmm. Got fresh legs. I ain't tired from the past weekend, you know, 400 miles in Michigan. Them guys are still worn out, catching up on their nutrition and sleep. I'm fresh, ready to go. I did row. 21,230 meters on Sunday. I don't, did you see that, Chuck? I did not see that. I saw that you were going to be uh, doing a thing uh, where you were rowing. I just didn't Can see you how Can you convert that gone. to freedom units for me? I'm not sure I know what meters are. We don't have, we don't have the <laughs> inches or feet. The topic of where I'm going to watch this race was on my brain, right? It's like I don't feel right just sitting on my couch while my car is driving around without me in it. Didn't feel right. So I figured I was going to burn about 3,000 calories between the time of 2.30 and, you know, 5.30 on Sunday. So I wanted to do something to stay in the seat. 
or stay locked in, if you will. So I had an iPad set up with the race and I jumped on my road, low impact, but it has kind of the same stimulus as what, you know, you can rose hard or as easy as you want to. And then I just started going, you know, started watching the race. I had the seven cars audio plugged in, listen to my spotter, TJ Bell, spot Josh Berry around and uh, got an interesting perspective, but I was, I wanted to get some work in, felt good. Everybody's good. Um, you know, and, and there's, Hey, around here, there's no days off, Merriman. I don't care what it is. I was working too. So yeah, I had, I think I had one, two, three, I had four screens up. I was listening to three different cars, scanner audio and logging it all as we were going. So I, I was locked in as well. This is one of those weekends that I actually paid attention instead of drinking a beer on the couch. It was the second race in 15 years that I've missed, and I was in the pool with my kids, wondering why the hell Corey was rowing. <laughs> that's what I was doing. There were some other uh, races this weekend. Um, there, there was, um, and there was power outage at Gateway. Um, that was interesting. I shut my TV off after that, went to bed. It was way past my bedtime, but woke up in the morning, found out that Sheldon Creed won the first playoff race of the year. Uh, for the truck series. So the reigning champion trying to retain his crown and does it in shining fashion, if you will, uh, punches a ticket to the second round. How, how would a cup race be at St. Louis? I think it'd be pretty good. It'd be pretty cool. Uh, that place is kind of a, an egg shape. Both corners are different radiuses slightly. So if NASCAR would allow us to shift, which I know the teams don't like it on this and that, but when we could shift to Pocono, when we could shift at Phoenix, when we could shift, if we could shift at a place like, um, what do they call it? Worldwide Technologies Raceway or something? Yes, nailed it. So rumor has it they've been having conversations to take the Cup Series back to St. Louis. It is hotter than the devil's armpit in St. Louis at this time hey, of the year. Is, you'll have sequential shifter next year. Good thing. So you just bang it forward and jam it back. So we'll see. That's it. We're hearing some rumors. You know, we got some traction over the last couple of weeks over, well, maybe the 500 might not be the first race of the year. Guys, everything we say on this show is not thought out, <laughs> nor does it have any validity to it whatsoever. This is all completely uh, ad-lib. We're winging it. We have no idea what's going on. My source of information is Twitter, just the same as everybody else's. Yeah. This, this is just the visualization or the audio visualization of Twitter. Right. That's all we are. Right. I just, that's, that's what it is. We are a vocal Twitter. Uh, Twitter's a dump. We're a little bit better than Twitter. <laughs> not I hate much. Twitter. Not much. Cause you're on the show. So <laughs> see, I personally thought we would be going to Vegas for the first race of the year in between the NFC, AFC playoffs and the Super Bowl. That's not going to be the case. Um, what else is also not going to be the case is anything that comes up after I say this particular thing. You have heard the rumors. Adam Stern tweeted, so therefore there's a little slightly bit of validity to it. They have having conversations for an exhibition race for the next-gen cars at the L.A. Coliseum. That would be some wild shit, Chuck. It would, and it, you know, it wouldn't be the first time that we would have raced in the Coliseum. Uh, we raced at Soldier Field in Chicago back in, Bowman the, Gray? in the day. I mean, Bowman Gray, yes. But, like, actual professional football stadium, we have raced at Soldier Field. There's old photos. You can go check them out, I'm sure. Uh, uh, they're on J-Ski, your racing reference, and NASCAR man uh, has probably put something on Twitter as well. But, How about the mess at Bowman Gray this weekend? Burt Myers getting 
cost a championship under yellow. Jeez. That was awesome. Wow. I mean, people, you don't go to watch. Now, let me – I'm the biggest Bowman Gray fan there was. I was a Can-N Pro Series winner, Bowman Gray. You don't go to Bowman Gray to watch racing. You go to watch a fight, and then a race breaks out. So that's exactly what happened. Uh, and Tim Brown, I don't know, he's won like, I don't know, 12 or some odd championships. But, yes, if anybody wants to go see some entertainment, Bowman Gray's got it. Unfortunately, it was last week of the year, this past weekend. You'll have to go next year to Bowman Gray Stadium, the madhouse. Which, if you haven't been, you need to circle that, underline it, highlight it, bold it, go to that racetrack and watch a fight or a race, whichever one whichever one happens first. You'll get both, and you'll be entertained. Um, it's good stuff. I'm telling you, you get a ice-cold Budweiser and a, and a dang – thing of fried oreos and you're watching some modified racing on bowman gray that, i mean that is my idea you i was at bowman gray i wasn't there when you won i was there when you were on second but the number one takeaway from when you won your first ever canaan east race that you worked so hard for blood sweat and tears was that they said don't do any donuts in the infield and you hooked a left and did some donuts in the infield and your old man was just mad because when you turned left you blew the nose off the thing, and that's all we heard about all week. Not that you won your first ever race. They blew the damn nose off it. Well, he was probably mad. The purse to win was probably 4500 bucks, and the nose repair was probably 6500 bucks. So, yeah, I, he probably had a reason to bitch. If, so when we go dirt racing, you see all these ringers, right? Out of If we're going kind of semi-indoor racing, I might need to go drive. I might need a cup ride, so just call me. You, you are the in, you are the indoor guy. Maybe Rick wears a drive for an indoor race. We'll let, I'm sure he'll let you know. Hey, the shifter in my indoor car is sequential, right? It's just the crossover's there. So just let me know. Yeah. I'm, I'm ready. Maybe Brett Bodine will uh, he'll um, certify. certify. I mean, yeah, he certified. We certify everybody else. Come on in. You, you talk about cup rides there, uh, Flores, uh, someone who is going to be uh, cup racing again next year, who also got a win. Uh, he got a win in Indy in uh, the Cup Series, and then they got a win in Xfinity uh, at Michigan, A.J. Allmendinger. Yeah, Corey, Corey, where do you think A.J. ends up next year? you think he runs that college car or what? I don't – I hope. I mean, I think A.J. brings a lot of value to the sport just as a personality. Uh, obviously, he has uh, unbelievable road course talent. He's won uh, – before this past week at Indy, He's won another uh, race at Watkins Glen with JTG Doherty Racing. So the guy can get the job done on road courses. And obviously he's starting to, to I don't want to say figure out, but he is uh, proven to be a race-winning guy in ovals as well. So, I, man, if you're if you're AJ Amundinger, man, I think that it's all about Sundays. I hope he can evaluate the options that I'm sure Matt Colligan over there, Chris Rice, are giving him. I hope they give him the seat for that second college cup card because that would be a pretty cool, pretty cool thing to see AJ Allmendinger back on the Cup Series schedule each and every week. And when you're starting a team like that, having a veteran like that who has been there and knows what's going on can only help colleague when they make their first season uh, in Cup. Could put you in the playoffs. Well, and not only a veteran of the Cup Series, a veteran of sports car, which these cars are going to be a lot alike. You know, he's he's run sports cars, he's run Indy car, he's. He's a very well-versed guy. He's made a lot of mistakes in the sport, which he's learned from, and he's stronger now because of it. So, uh, man, you, you mix a veteran guy with a younger guy like uh, Justin Haley, you could have a strong team. How valuable is a guy like Ambrose going into this next gen? 
dude used to run V8 supercars. I mean, got to be some similarity. You lose the the you know, the neurotransmitters. They just get a little rusty. I mean, it, it really does. If you're not honing that craft each and every week, you know, I, and this is a hot take. I don't believe Carl Edwards could come back and pick up where, we, where he left off. It would take him half a year, maybe a full season to get used to back to, you know, and Carl Edwards is one of the top 10 drivers of all time, in my opinion. But once, once you're out of it for, you know, two, three years, you lose some of the feel. Now, I'm sure a guy like Carl, Carl could pick it up, but it, it wouldn't be the first week back, and it wouldn't be the first half season back, I promise you that. So you're saying if you don't use it, you lose it? I mean, look at Matt Kenseth. Look yeah. at Matt Kenseth subbing in last year was not the Matt Kenseth that we had seen. Uh, yeah, he also drove. Yeah, well. Well, there's always, you know, there's also a decline. I mean, you can check out David Smith and his, his motorsports analytics. I mean, there's there are analytics and statistics that back up, you know, a, a comp competitive decline with age at a certain range, right? I mean, you you can't, you just can't, I don't know, like it's the proofs in the pudding. When you get over 41, 42, uh, you know, that you're, I don't know, I don't think abilities is the right word, but your sharpness, maybe your react reactions, your feel, your ability to uh, to adjust might change. So, you know, I think that, uh, I mean, realistically speaking, thirty to thirty to forty is kind of a driver's sweet spot of years, and and AJ's right towards the back of that, but he's also experienced. And I mean, I would love to see AJ Allmendinger uh, in, in the Cup field more often than not next year. So we'll see. Every, not everyone is Tom Brady, and I know football and racing aren't the same thing, but, you know, not everyone can, uh, once they hit 40, keep it up at that level, at any level yeah. in professional They sports. sell medication for that. <laughs> and that and that they do. Well, that's some great talk, guys, you know, and hopefully uh, I can give you my recap next week from behind the seat because we're going to Daytona, by God, and we're going to try to punch our ticket to the playoffs. Chuck? One question before we go. Over, under, number of restarts, uh, overtime restarts in Daytona to end out the regular season. Two? Two. Two? Go with two. Final under. answer, Regis. Under two? Under. I'm going to go over. I think it plays out like we saw the 500, where um, people are content to ride until the white flag flies um, and not make any moves because, you know, if somebody – pounds you in the fence on the white flag or coming to the white flag you could finish the last car but if you wait until turn three the people are content to make their move until then that way it's one and done and you don't have to get, do another restart so i do think we'll see a green flag sequence lead us into a a long line and then you'll see a, a bunch of moves happen in the backstretch and then we're going to pile them all into three and that kind of seems the pattern of what we'll see at the speedway there's either going to be zero or there's going to be three and there's going to be no in between yes Three was my number. I was going to take the over of two and go with three. Just because that's the end of that race. I don't know what it is about Daytona, but just standing there on pit road, I always get butterflies in my stomach, and I'm not doing anything other than watching. You can feel it. You can feel it down, like like in uh, Will Ferrell says in Eastbound Down, down in your plums. When the intensity turns up and there's, you know, there's three – laps to go two laps to go and the the runs are tighter the cars are packed together like the the pressure it's almost like you're in a airplane cab where the pressure inside the car 
um, lowers, like the pressure in the car, in the pack changes because everybody is so tight. You can actually feel, I'm getting goosebumps talking about it because I can't wait till Saturday night. I'm ready to rock and roll, Merriman. I love it. Do it to it. Go win a race. We'll have a good show Let's next week. It. We'll have a great show next week. And we'll be down there in Daytona, man. I'm going to be right there. It's going to be great. If you win that damn race, I'll be in Daytona until Thursday. I might not come back. I might just get a condo <laughs> and stay down there. Down but we'll there. see. It's only a short drive to Darlington from Daytona. That is true. And I might not even make it that far. Uh, Chuck might drive me there. We'll stop a couple Civil War reenactments between Daytona Beach, Florida, Darlington, and we'll see y'all next week. I'm stacking bets.